The U.S. Supreme Court stands at a great crossroads. Which way will our nation go? We certainly have a runaway judiciary. Uh, they are now making decisions that have no conceivable relationship to the Constitution. This is a serious problem in our courts, and it comes from judges not approaching the Constitution as neutral arbiters, but looking at it as a tool to advance their policy goals. Now, one can amend the Constitution, you can change the Constitution, but until that's amended, that thing is a sacred document. This appointment of Brett Kavanaugh is pivotal for the direction of the Supreme Court. We are in for a battle. It really has nothing to do with Kavanaugh. Uh, because they were already protesting before they knew who, who it was. Hello, I'm Frank Wright. Welcome to this special presentation from D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Unelected judges are essentially rewriting our founding documents and completely upending the First Amendment. How is it that we have a virtual constitutional convention taking place, but the only participants are an unelected federal judiciary? And what can we do about it? With an opening on the Supreme Court and with President Trump having nominated a conservative nominee, it is crucially important that we understand this issue and take action to get his nominee confirmed. On this special program, we will look at how judges have undermined our constitutional foundations, and we will give you an opportunity to make a real difference. We begin by taking a look at the Supreme Court and the outsized impact these nine unelected lawyers have on our nation. And we look at how their judicial activism has run roughshod over the other branches of government. Our own Dr. Jerry Newcomb takes a look. It was a drama-packed news day today, courtesy of Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy. Kennedy announced his retirement for the Supreme Court this afternoon. That Is this potentially the end of Roe v. Wade? We're looking at a, a, a destruction of the Constitution of the United States, as far as I can tell, based on all of the folks that he's been appointing thus far for lifetime appointments. Why is a change on the Supreme Court suddenly ground zero in the culture wars? Some critics argue because our lives in America are virtually governed by the Supreme Court. But is that what the founders intended? The reason why social issues are so contentious in the United States is because the Supreme Court has weighed in and put a thumb on the scale, you could say, on the side of a, a more liberal view, uh, an, an anti-religious freedom view, for too long. We have to return to the Constitution. What does the Constitution say? The Constitution is what it is. If you want to change it, that's what the amendment process is for. Judicial activism is the problem where judges make laws from the bench rather than simply adjudicating. Judicial activism has become so common in America in the last few decades that we have become virtually oblivious to it. But it was through this means, for example, that school prayer, in place before we even became a country, was suddenly declared 
unconstitutional. It was through judicial activism that the Ten Commandments were yanked out of the schools. You have judicial activists in so many, uh, so many areas around the country, and, and, and they don't, they're making law from the bench rather than just calling it like an umpire, as, as Chief Justice Roberts said during his confirmation. Um, that's exactly the way it's supposed to be, but it's not in so many cases. I, I remember I was arguing a, a, a case defending the, the tradition of public invocations, and the ACLU attorney on the other side was trying to stamp out this practice at city councils in that case. And they, they stood before the judges and they said, Your Honor, the, the mention of Jesus in a public prayer is precisely the kind of evil that the Establishment Clause was created to prevent. Experts often say that one of the tools being used to remake America by judicial fiat is the concept of the so-called living Constitution. The idea that the Constitution is a living document is really preposterous. The, um, what they mean by that is that a judge can change it. And if your Constitution is living, it, it, you don't have a Constitution. That means we're going to make it up as we go. And a lot of that has happened. A lot of our Constitution has pretty much been, um, been pushed aside through court decisions. The, the important thing to understand is that the United States Supreme Court and uh, its member justices are, are required to uphold the United States Constitution. In the 1960s and 1970s, there was definitely a change in how the Supreme Court kind of viewed itself. And a lot of the, the justices there believed that they were the, the shape of forward progress, that they were going to use the court as kind of the, the way to kind of move American democracy forward. A seminal example of judicial tyranny is that of Roe v. Wade, January 22, 1973. The Supreme Court then effectively declared abortion legal through all nine months. Roe v. Wade is often at the heart of the confirmation battles in the Senate over judges. We keep hearing about the constitutional right to abortion, but was Roe based on the Constitution? If you read Roe against Wade, it's a very interesting opinion. It's about 51 pages or something of that sort, 51, 52 pages. There's not an ounce of legal reasoning in it. He goes through what the ancient Egyptians thought about abortion. He goes through the English common law of abortion. He goes through what the American Hospital Association thinks about abortion, what the American Medical Association thinks about it. And then suddenly, after all this history, which is utterly irrelevant to the issue before him, uh, he suddenly says, well, there is a right of privacy, and it's broad enough to cover the right to abortion. Bang. Uh, it's a, it's a, a terrible opinion. Another egregious example of judicial tyranny was the 2015 Supreme Court decision legalizing same-sex marriage, Obergefell v. Hodges, a decision written by the outgoing Justice Anthony Kennedy. The Supreme Court in the 5-4 decision issued a decision that the Chief Justice called basically a lawless decision by five lawyers that was not based on the Constitution, not based on the court's precedent, but was only based upon their will. And he said, some people may rejoice over this decision, but don't rejoice over the Constitution. It had nothing to do with it. That's from Chief Justice John Roberts. Whenever the judicial branch seeks to uh, overrule God, it's going to be a concern for me and should be a concern for any Christian since marriage is a divine institution. It's succumbing to the, um, the pressure of the culture. Uh, and that which has become more and more acceptable. But I did, I did feel like it, it overstepped its bound because it took, it took it out of the hands of the people broadly. And, uh, and so that, that was unfortunate. The, the greatest virtue of a written constitution is that it is written. 
the same men who wrote the language of the First Amendment began those sessions with a prayer. And, and here, you know, a couple of years ago, they declared that it's now unconstitutional because it's a living, breathing document and we have to change with the times. I'm an originalist. I think we need to be. I think the founders were divinely inspired to put these protections in the way they did, and we, we deviate from that at our peril. Their job is not to create the law. Their job is to interpret the law as it has already been written by that other branch of government known as the legislative branch. What we're seeing now is in a world that's postmodern, who believes in situational ethics, who believes, for all intents and purposes, that you make it up as you go along, you can render a political decision as opposed to being bound by the law. The president takes an oath to the Constitution, and one of his duties is to appoint the Supreme Court. Supreme Court justices take an oath to the Constitution. The Constitution is the document and the framework by which our lives um, are, are organized and by which we self-govern. It's the essence of what America is, is, is all about. It's very important as to who's sitting on the Supreme Court. Their worldview matters tremendously to our day-to-day -day lives in the United States. Not only the United States, but around the world, because the United States is a leader for the world. We need to get the courts back into their proper role, and they have so far gone across their proper role uh, that it's going to take a lot to return them to where they need to be. Our constitutional system of limited government was given to us by founders who had no desire for the Supreme Court to be a de facto super legislature, imposing the will of unelected judges on the American people. Yet, as you are about to see, that's exactly what has happened. Here is Dr. Jerry Newcomb again with more. I think we all need to be watching and praying about what happens with the United States Supreme Court. Well, I think there are a lot of areas in which we have drifted quite a ways from the original intent of the founders. You know, it's funny. The Founding Fathers referred to the judicial branch as the weakest branch. Uh, they didn't see it as taking this activist role of, of basically being a dictatorship. But you have now a majority on the court who agree that our starting point for seriousness is actually the text of the Constitution, not language and numbers and emanations floating around in the, in the ether. It's because our founders understood the basic sin nature of man. Not a popular concept in a postmodern world, but nonetheless, they understood our inherent nature was to be a sinner and that we needed a savior. So they put in place a system of checks and balances and created the three branches of government, the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. And the writing of the founders is crystal clear that of the three, the lower of the three is the judicial branch because they did not want an oligarchy. Founding father and third president Thomas Jefferson warned us as early as 1819, the Constitution on this hypothesis is a mere thing of wax in the hands of the judiciary, which they may twist and shape into any form they please. Well, the Supreme Court made itself very important by getting involved in issues that it really shouldn't have. It should have been leaving to the states or really expanding the role of the Supreme Court and making itself the final word on nearly every issue. The ultimate debate in all of this is a judge's view of the Constitution. Is it something to be interpreted according to the words themselves, as an originalist judge would hold? Or is the Constitution like silly putty, to quote Henry Hyde, who opposed judicial activism? 
An originalist is nothing more than somebody who looks at the, the words of the Constitution and tries to find out what they originally meant. Uh, same thing with statutes. You sometimes hear a textualist. Uh, Justice Scalia used that word for himself. That just means that you pay attention to the text. When Congress enacts a statute, they don't enact some vague idea. They enact text. They enact words. But it basically comes down to when a federal judge looks at a statute or the Constitution, does he try to find out what it means or does he try to make it mean what he wants? That's what it comes down to. Those are two radically different kinds of judges. And the debate over judicial appointments is the debate over which of those two kind of judges is the most important. This is an extremely important uh, justice to be confirmed. And also, I, I think it's very important as a practical matter that a legitimate appointment made by a president uh, goes to the Senate that legitimately votes for that uh, appointee and it uh, is con that, that appointee is confirmed according to the rules of the Constitution. That in itself is important. It would be important to have Supreme Court justices who have a very humble view of their role, not this uh, arrogant view that they can impose their opinions on the rest of the country, but rather a very humble view that respects the role of the people in our form of government. With the recent vacancy at the High Court, we may have an opportunity for a judicial reformation, a return to the plain meaning of the Constitution. At stake may be the future of our religious and political freedoms. Can one justice really make that much of a difference? Well, take a look at the just-retired Justice Anthony Kennedy. It was Kennedy who claimed to discover a supposed constitutional right to sodomy and same-sex marriage, despite the patently obvious fact that no other court had found those rights in the Constitution in the prior 226 years. Well, President Trump now has the opportunity to move the high court back to its constitutionally mandated role with the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh to fill the current vacancy. This is a chance to return the high court to its constitutional boundaries for the first time in decades. And the left is fighting this nomination tooth and nail. That's why your senators need to hear from you. And we have put together an urgent petition calling upon your senators to promptly confirm Judge Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Please contact us right away to sign this urgent petition. Simply call us toll-free at 877-332-3069. That's 877-332-3069. Friends, this is so important that if you receive a busy signal when you call, please call us back. Or you can sign the petition online at djkm.org forward slash S-C-O-T-U-S, SCOTUS, which is the acronym for the Supreme Court. There was once a time when Supreme Court nominations were quite routine. In those days before the court transformed itself from a legal body to an unelected governing body, the only question about nominees 
was whether they were well qualified. Justices such as Harry Blackman, John Paul Stevens, Sandra Day O'Connor, and Antonin Scalia were confirmed by the Senate unanimously. But over time, the left discovered that they could accomplish their agenda through the courts, making those Supreme Court seats very strategic and very political. And everything changed in 1987 with the nomination of Judge Robert Bork to succeed Lewis Powell. Our own John Rabe has more. Well, I think there are a lot of areas in which we have drifted quite a ways from the original intent of the founders. We certainly have a runaway judiciary. Uh, they are now making decisions that have no conceivable relationship to the Constitution. And when judges take it into their own hands to give the Constitution a different reading from what was originally intended at the time that it was drafted or at the time that it was amended, then what they're really doing is usurping the power of government from the legislative branch, which should be making the laws. Since the case of Marbury versus Madison in 1803, it has been accepted that the Supreme Court has the duty to review the constitutionality of laws and government actions. But does that make them the final authority? The judicial branch is not the final word of what the Constitution is. The Constitution itself says this Constitution shall be the supreme law of the land. It doesn't say this Constitution as interpreted by judges is the supreme law. So the Constitution itself rejects that proposition. But because the Supreme Court has arrogated so much power to itself to essentially rewrite the Constitution to fit progressive preferences, open seats on the court, like the one just vacated by Justice Anthony Kennedy, are crucial. We've seen the left fail to achieve their goals through the legislative process. But they have through the courts. So the Supreme Court changed the definition of marriage. They legalized abortion till the ninth month, at least until 10 years ago. And so a lot of the, the movement of our country to the left uh, and what a lot of us as Christians would, be, would consider in an immoral direction for our country has been accomplished through the courts. This is a serious problem in our courts, and it comes from judges not approaching the Constitution as neutral arbiters, but looking at it as a tool to advance their policy goals. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you guys. The late Judge Robert Bork was a Yale law professor and was nominated by President Reagan to the Supreme Court. But those accustomed to imposing a liberal agenda through the courts hotly resisted his vision of applying the Constitution as written and intended, and his nomination touched off the most savage confirmation battle in judicial history. In Robert Bork's America, there is no room at the inn for blacks, and no place in the Constitution for women, and in our America, there should be no seat on the Supreme Court for Robert Bork. Because Bob Bork was so well known, to be a believer in the Constitution and to be against judicial activism or to practice as the Constitution requires judicial restraint. There were those who decided that they were out to get him and so they mounted the most bitter, most divisive, uh, most uh, illegitimate attack on a person that had ever been uh, mounted against anyone nominated from the, for the Supreme Court up until that time. Judge Bork's nomination was defeated. Ed Meese was U.S. Attorney General under President Reagan at the time. Uh, that set a low point 
for the Senate proceedings, but unfortunately it also set a pattern then that was reiterated in subsequent confirmation processes when these same liberal and left-wing organizations got together with some of the uh, ultra-liberal senators in order to stage these same kind of attacks on other people. The attack on Judge Bork was so egregious that his name even became a slang verb in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, defined as to attack or defeat a nominee or candidate for public office unfairly through an organized campaign of harsh public criticism or vilification. After Judge Bork was defeated in 1987, um, President Reagan nominated Anthony Kennedy. He was then a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, was considered to be a, a, a safe, reliable, Republican. They used different words back then to, to describe judges sometimes, but, um, and he was confirmed unanimously. He, he was confirmed 99 to 0. So um, had Bork been confirmed and appointed instead, um, this would be a very different country. The scurrilous attacks became even more heated and personal against Judge Clarence Thomas in 1991, though he courageously fought back and was narrowly confirmed. This is a case in which this dirt was searched for by staffers of members of this committee, was then leaked to the media, and this committee and this body validated it and displayed it. Because the Supreme Court has been used by the left as essentially a super legislature, to institute abortion on demand, same-sex marriage, and other liberal policy goals, they have attempted to control it by using the Bork nomination as the template for subsequent nominations. And they appear poised to try to use it again on President Trump's nominee, Judge Brett Kavanaugh. We are in for a battle. It really has nothing to do with Kavanaugh. Uh, because they were already protesting before they knew who, who it was. There was opposition before uh, even the nomination took place, before Brett Kavanaugh was made the nominee for the Trump administration. There was already uh, a building momentum to try to stop this person, whoever it may be. I don't think, I think it was kind of a fill-in-the-blank kind of situation for many, especially on the left. If these tactics succeed, if the opponents of Judge Kavanaugh succeed in further politicizing the judiciary, uh, the freedoms that we enjoy and that our system of government is designed to provide are in serious jeopardy. I, I can't overstate that. As you've just seen, the template was set with the Robert Bork nomination to the Supreme Court. Judge Bork was one of the most well-qualified nominees in court history, yet he endured a bitter partisan attack from those who wanted to use the court to do an end run around the will of the people. And Clarence Thomas endured even worse, though he successfully persevered through his nomination. And now they're trying to do it again, this time to President Trump's conservative nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. Before the nomination was even announced, far-left groups vowed to oppose any presidential nominee, and they are sticking to their plan. They are throwing everything they have at this nomination. And we must counter this attack with the truth. We must understand that the worst nightmare for the left is a high court that actually upholds the Constitution as written. 
This would be the end of a decades-old strategy of circumventing the will of the people through judicial tyranny. That's why this nomination is a once-in-a-generation opportunity to restore the courts to their constitutional moorings. To see that happen, we need you to stand with us to get this nominee confirmed. We have put together an urgent petition to your two senators calling upon them to promptly confirm Judge Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. To sign this petition, simply call us toll-free at 877-332-3069 or go online to djkm.org forward slash SCOTUS. Judge Kavanaugh is committed to upholding the meaning of the Constitution as written in the mold of Justices Scalia and Thomas, and he has a long judicial track record proving just that. Judge Kavanaugh, if confirmed, will be replacing Justice Anthony Kennedy, the court's so-called swing vote who fabricated rights to sodomy and same-sex marriage out of thin air and then read them into the Constitution. Brett Kavanaugh's nomination is our best opportunity in a generation to return the court to its proper role and give governance back to the people where it rightly belongs. If this opportunity is lost, we may not see it again for generations, if ever. So please contact us without delay to sign our urgent petition calling upon your senators to vote to confirm Judge Kavanaugh. Simply call us toll-free at 877-332-3069 or sign the petition online by going to our ministry website at djkm.org forward slash SCOTUS. And as you do, will you please consider giving a generous donation to help us proclaim the truth of God and preach the gospel through our broadcast outreach? May God bless you as you do. The miracle of America is our constitutional form of government. Uh, you know, one nation under God uh, and the whole concept of we the people, which is a covenant. We shouldn't make confirmations so political that it, that it kind of fluctuates with the winds, winds of elections. The f most important thing that we as Americans can do to constrain this runaway judiciary is to elect officials that will give us good judges. Government did not create the Constitution. We the people did. On the day the U.S. Supreme Court issued its ruling legalizing same-sex marriage, an opinion, by the way, authored by Justice Anthony Kennedy, Justice Antonin Scalia wrote in his dissent that the court's ruling means, and I quote, my ruler and the ruler of 320 million Americans, coast to coast, is a majority of the nine lawyers on the Supreme Court, unquote. This is not the system of government that our forebears fought against all odds to create. This is not the form of government that millions of Americans have fought in wars to protect. With this chance to restore the separation of powers, return the Supreme Court to its constitutionally limited role, 
and return to true constitutional governance, we also may have the rare opportunity as a nation to repent of the foolishness that gave us abortion on demand and a secularized public square. Let us pray together that this will be so. D. James Kennedy Ministries is standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this special program. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.